Have you subscribed to the OTB Football Podcast? Yeah, the atmosphere was brilliant, wasn't it? It was, it was great when Thierry Henry made an appearance on the big screen and it got the reaction, didn't it, that it needed. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. Friday Night Racing. Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie. All right, you're very welcome along to this week's episode of Friday Night Racing, uh, brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Share every racing moment. Visit hri.ie or follow Horse Racing Ireland on social media. Johnny Ward is with us as ever, somewhere on a beach in France, I believe. Johnny, it's a hard life. It's a hard life, um, as Flannel Ryan might tell you. Uh, greetings from Antibes. Greetings very, from Antibes. Very nice. Well, you're almost as much of a jet setter as this week's special guest, Ado McGuinness. Ado, how are I you? I have to pay for it, though. Ado gets everything paid for by his horses. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Um, definitely, I've been jet setting the last few months. Had a great time. You're you're in sunny Dundalk today, I think. Yeah, I'm down here now at the moment as I speak to you, so... It ain't too sunny down here this night, this evening. It's a bit nippier here than it was in uh, Dubai during the week. You were sweating, and I'm not sure if the sweat was from just how close the race was or if it was just because it was hot out there as well. I was very warm there the other night, but look, with all, the, with all the excitement and jumping around, it was, I even done a press conference there and the sweat was dripping off me now. It was very, very warm, but look, it was a night I'll never forget. Well, I was going to say, because um, so frequently we talk to people in racing and they're like, look, you have to take the good times and the bad times because you know the bad times are coming and you can't get too high and you can't get too low. And sometimes I think sometimes you just have to get a little bit high because it is a, a life-changing, once-in-a-lifetime moment. Yeah, look, it was just a fantastic night. And to describe it, it's hard to describe it. I thought it would never, ever be Paris. But, you know, it was just one of them nights you're pinching yourself, the amount of money you're there for, you know, you're running there for and it's just unbelievable. Um, can you take us back to the relationship with this horse and we'll, we'll, we'll show some of the celebrations in a moment um, from the track itself but when when did you first have a, when did you first get this horse and when did you start plotting out what the horse could be or beginning to understand where you could go with it? Yeah, look at this time last year we, we bought the horse just before Christmas 12 months ago and um he, he was sold to Hong Kong and there was a problem with the vet and then we we got word of it and we came in and we went down, we looked at the horse and we got our vet in. It was actually the same vet that vetted him for Hong Kong, come in and vetted him and he passed him. Just the Hong Kong vets didn't take him. They weren't happy with his x-rays and his knees and we looked at him and he would, the, the, the knees were perfect and we said we'd buy him and we did. he wasn't a cheap, cheap horse. Um, he was probably the most one of the most expensive horses I've ever bought and we we gave him a run on Dundalk then and he was very impressive like he beat two very good horses um Michael Brown's horse Logo Hunter and Jack Davison's horse and like he destroyed them that night in Dundalk and, he, and he'd, done, he'd given them weight and he looked very impressive and everybody was telling me oh he's a guineas horse a guineas horse and we did dream of the guineas and we actually ran him in a guineas trial and he was very disappointing I think he just ran too free and he wasn't right and then we, we we dropped him back at the trip again and he won a group two for us. And we headed to Ascot, just hadn't got him right in Ascot. He had a little bit of a setback before Ascot and we gave him a break after it. And, you know, we entered him for the flying five in, in, in Champions Weekend and lads thought I was stone mad dropping him back to five. And I, I realised he had a lot of boot and he was he's a real good cruiser. And, you know, we just haven't looked back since. He was second actually that night and we, we supplemented him then for Paris because we hadn't got him entered for Paris. Okay. Uh, did, we uh, haven't looked back since. 
go back go back a little bit. So um pardon my ignorance, how long is the Guineas? The Guineas is a mile. Okay. And uh so he's not a Guinness horse because he can't stay the mile. Is that what you're saying? Didn't stay. Yeah, it didn't stay. Okay. He just didn't seem to stay that day in Leopardstown. And, you know, look, at he, he, he was very free and he just wasn't right. And we, we realised it and we'd sort of given him a little break then after it. So, you know, it's it, even the best trainers in the world, it's trial and error sometimes when a horse, it, you know, if they have a two-year-old that wins over six or seven furlongs, they have to step him back up then to the Guineas and some stay and some don't. It's funny. That race, you know, um, that race, which is on actually tomorrow at Leverstone, it's a great card tomorrow. It's, just, it's effectively a Guinea's trial. That's all well and good, right? So you sent that horse, that race, sent off, uh, I think you sent off 94 favourites. How disappointing is a day like that? When you have a horse, you only have him um, not long. He's, he's been very impressed from his first one. You know, you've, you've, you've lost the dreams. When you come home from Leverstone that day, how do you deal with disappointments like that? Oh, listen, you're, you're on the... You're on the bottom you know you're so disappointed you're deflated dream gone where do we go and you know you go and you check the horse out to see can you find out what's wrong with him and you know, you're scratching your head and why did i do that and you're calling yourself all names under the sun i won't repeat them but you know you, you're just completely deflated and as i said when i have horses that run bad don't be in my company because i'm bad company <laughs> you can ask my wife and, and family that you know you just really want to be on your own and you just sort of go back to the drawing board then after the day or two and you sort of say, well, you know, where do we go? This is what we have to do. And look, we always try and find if there's a problem. And there was a bit of a problem that day too with, with him in Leopardstown. And, you know, we, we just felt he'd so much speed then he, he didn't settle, he didn't relax. And, you know, you, you just have to go back to the drawing board then and, and plan, hatch another plan. And how quickly does the new plan formulate? Yeah, look, we, we, we dropped them back in trip. Then I think about six weeks, uh, five or six weeks after that, we dropped them back in trip. And yeah, about six weeks it was. And, and he, he goes and he rocks up and he wins and he beats him two other good horses that day. So, was that the Dundalk race? Sorry, is that... that oh, this was this was a nace. Right. In a group two. It was the group three in nace it was. And, uh, you know, he beat a good field of horses that day as well. And, you know, the dream is alive again. Where do we go then? And so we were dreaming of Ascot, going to Ascot for the three-year-old Colts race on the Friday and that's where we had it then. Uh, just to, to go back to the actual uh, buying of the horse, we, when we t- got the Princess Zoe story, it's not a million miles away where this is a horse who, for whatever reason, becomes available and there's a, a bit of doubt and then they grow into these kind of superstars that, um, you know, it can be absolutely transformative experience. Uh, like, in retrospect, is that one of the biggest breaks you're ever going to have in your career or do you get lucky because... You're actually involved and you're always listening for information that might lead you to be able to get a horse like a case of you. Yeah, look, he's a real rags to riches horse because the owner, the breeder couldn't sell him as a foal. He sold him as a yearling for three grand, you know, and and, and the guy, John McConnell, bought him. And and like I bought him off John, I gave John a good bit of money and he'd won a few quid for John as well. So if, if I had owned him, like John McConnell and given three grand for him and someone offered me substantial amount of money for him in, in 10, 12 months time, I would have to sell him because it's just a good business decision. I'm privileged that I'm able to hold on to the horse now. And, you know, we've had a few offers in for the horse, but, you know, it's a horse like that you need. To, it, you meet, I've met so many people around the world when, when you run a horse like that all over the world. Tell us about the owner, you know. Yeah, Gary, and just, he, he's a... Great man, he doesn't drink, but the guys that hang around with him make up for it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
he's very cool. Um, he's been very, very lucky. He's a very lucky owner with me, and I think you need to be lucky. He, he's been very lucky with me with a lot of the horses we've had together, and he, he really enjoys his racing. And you know, he, he's taken this horse has taken him on a journey, and and we're loving every minute of it. Like as I said, he's a millionaire horse now. It's mad, isn't it? Like it, it is mad when they like that horse could easily have got on the plane or the boat or however they get to Hong Kong these days and that would have been it and it would never have been part of your life but those sliding doors moments happen and like I think too it's really interesting to the, the depth of understanding you have to have of what the talent that the horse has that, that speed like you're you're insistent it's there when you you know you're entering him for the flying five like was that a risk did it feel risky to you or did it feel like actually what we're doing here is getting as much information as we can yeah, look, we'd entered him in a six in Doncaster as well. And I, I was mad keen to stay at home and go for the flying five because it's a tough rate. It's a it's a stiff finish. And I knew this guy would finish, finish very strong. And we knew he'd improve again. You know, he kept improving. And um, of course, it's a risk. You know, if you run him in the flying five and he finishes tailed off, you're back to you're back to the drawing board again. And Or if he was outpaced and he didn't lie up and... Believe you me, he's like the first time he ever ran over five furlongs was in a group one and he finished second in it. So you can't turn around. That has to be, he has to have a lot of natural ability, which he has. And um, he's really only learning to sprint. Have you had Anthony Lycan before, Edo? Nah, not like him. I've had some very good horses. We've sold some nice horses to America. You know, we've some really, we've had some solid 108, 109 horses, which are very good horses, 110 horses. But this, this is just something special. Um, He's a rocket, uh, you know, and the way he finishes, very good sprinters, their last furlong is the fastest furlong. And this what this lad is, whereas some, if you've just a horse that barely stays five, he might tread water in the last 50 yards or 60 yards. This lad is like a bullet, you know. It's funny. Quicker and quicker. Yeah, my, my friend Adam Potts, he's a fitty running tonight in the first set on dock, five furlongs, and the talk from him before the race is that she's so quick, I'm not even sure she stays five furlongs. So, how do you train a horse like as fast as him was basically probably a lot faster than Anthony have at all? Yeah, we, we don't, you know, I, I train horses and, and um, with sprinters, you, you don't gallop the brains at him. I don't have to find out how fast this horse is. He's learning his trade. He learned his trade as he went on. And, you know, we get him fit. We do his bit of work, a few bits of work. And even when he does work, even last week on his preps, Ian Brennan was out in Dubai with him and he'd done a great job with him. But his preps for Dubai was all on his own. We'd know how, I don't have to put a horse with him to find out how good he is. You know, the odd day I might send a companion with him just to lead him for a while. And But like all his fast work in Dubai there for the last three, four weeks, he, it, he was, he'd done it all on his own. You know, he just galloped on his own. And it's easy, you know, you just get him fit. I get him fit and then I know exactly where I want and what I want to do with him. And as I said, I don't I don't want to see a horse like him. I don't take him off the bridle or anything like that. We just, you know, we get a blowout into him, get a fitness blow into him and that's all. And we just let, like I knew he would improve after after um, Super Saturday out there. I knew he'd improve again, which he did. He had a little bit of a setback going out in the plane, but he was fine. He, he hurt his tongue and he, he, had, he went round in Dubai for two days with his tongue hanging out before he ran in Super Saturday. But... We, we we got we, we got him there and the vets had looked at him and he was fine to run after but other than that we never had a minute's trouble with him out there and you know he, he's he's so much like you know he's just so much natural ability it's it's um 
to be honest, it's nearly easier trying a horse like him than trying a low grade handicapper not 65. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the, I've often said that I think uh, Strava should be introduced uh, to racing because for cycling and running and all that, it gives you amazing data. Like even just people yeah. running and, and their few kilometers a week, they can tell that they're improving or whatever mm-hmm. and they can tell their top speed. What's his top speed? How fast can this horse actually run? Okay, I would honestly say I think I'd be very disappointed if this horse doesn't win us another Group One before the year years out. Mm. And um, you know, he, he's he, he the other day to me he put the race to bed very quickly and and uh, like there's no way they were catching him in the end. You know, he won he won it cozy enough the other day and he's another few pounds to improve to be like to me he's one of the best sprinters in the world and I'm privileged to have him. Yeah, I was talking to Jer before we came on, and uh, he said, uh, "Oh my God, he was he was fourteen to one, and he won like uh, the ten to eleven favorite Man of Promise. He won like ten yeah. to eleven favorite. Yeah, he won. Like we, we were slagging because we were actually drawn beside one another the last day on Super Saturday, but Man of Promise was where KCU was, and we were where Man of Promise was, and it was the opposite way around this time. But you know, where both horses were drawn, you couldn't say." You know, one had a better advantage. The rail is an advantage. The high draw over in Dubai is a big. It's a big advantage. But um, you know, we, we we beat him fair and square the last day, and you know there was no there was no crying about it. Everybody should go and look at the race. The, can you just explain that bit about the rail to us? Because um, the whole field lurches over towards the rail. Uh, is that like just an automatic thing, or is the course actually? Because I, I yeah, it, it, the course rides. It just rides that bit quicker that side. Um, I don't know if it's because of the watering or not, but they seem to always tack across that side. Now, as it happened last Saturday, the, all the pace was on that side. So there was a lot of pace on that side and there was a lot of good horses on that side. And, you know, it, they were always going to go that way. And Ronan, in all fairness to me, gave him a superb ride because he never gave the rail away. He never gave, you know, he held his posse the whole way, which was a serious, it wasn't a case where he was going to attack, follow somebody that's my spot and there's no one else getting it. That's the way Ronan rode the horse the other day and, and uh, he was just fantastic on him. So it's a good draw because sometimes the outside draw people complain yeah. about it but actually... Oh, over five, straight five there that side, it's it's um, it's um a very good draw and you know, you look down, it's it's like Cork and the seven in Cork, you look at, you think there's no bias in Cork and the high draws seem, they always seem to call the stand side in Cork, boy, I don't know but if you look at the track, you'd say there's, you know, there's no advantage but... It's just the way the races pan out and, and they seem to always go that side and the, the high draws seem to be really very favourable in, in, in Cork and some tracks. I've often seen it in Nace as well. You obviously had a lot of confidence then in the horse when the race was going. As the race unfolds, when does your confidence begin to kick into, this is going to happen? Oh, look, at if you, if you see the replays, <laughs> when we when we saw him, the way he was holding his posse and the way he was coming in the last furlong, I think my voice is still not back to normality yet. And, you know, we, we got very vocal. My daughter was there. My wife was there. There was a good crowd of lads there, the friends and guys, but friends of Gary's as well. And we just, in the last half of Furlong, we went completely bananas. And Ian Brennan sprinted the whole way down the straight, like when the horse, you know, when he was going by him, it was, I, I don't know if you've seen any of the footage of it, but a couple of television crews got him. One got him sprit like from behind, and another crew got him come, you know, coming at him, and you'd you'd swear he was after committing murder and running away <laughs> from the police. It, it was just flat out he was roaring, and you know, just the expression on the chap's face just said it all. And even if you saw us in the parade ring, 
the other night, um, we made plenty of noise. And as I said, Sheikh Mohammed mightn't have known who I was Saturday morning, but he certainly knew who we were Saturday evening <laughs> after the race was well, over with the noise we made. And he was there in the ring as well. So look, it was just a wonderful night. Well, look, I actually, we have a little bit of footage, which you posted in fairness to the, uh, the Twitter account, which everybody should also follow as well. Have a look at this. Oh, we've no sound on it, unfortunately, but um, yeah, so it, it, it's on your Twitter account. We'll we'll tweet the link to it a little bit later on, so everybody can have a look at it. It is sensational stuff. When that when that happens, like, and it's the culmination of the setbacks that you've had and the good fortune that you've had along the way, it does feel like you're kind of cresting to a moment in your career. I see um, one of your interviews. You said you're an overnight success after 20 years of hard work. That's exactly how it happens, though, isn't it? It's like a load and load of hard work, and you're actually ready for it when it comes. Yeah, look at it, it, it when you come. You know, we can't do it. None of us can do something like this without the animals. And I suppose I'm privileged to have the animal. And it's not just him. I've, I've had a great couple of years with good horses. We've got our hands on better horses. And, you know, previous to that, I'm driving up and down to the dock for years with low-grade handicappers and maybe one good horse. I've a yard of good horses now. And it's, you know, I'm privileged to have them. And I've better owners and we've sourced better owners. And you know, it's not easy to do that. And, um you know, we've got to make the most of it now and try and continue that. And we've met, I've met a lot of people out across the world there the last six or seven months. And, and we, we've made, you know, we've done a little bit of business and, and that's what, that's what life's all about. Like trying to better yourself. And it's just a, it, the wealth of people that was there even last Saturday night was just unbelievable. So was that a conscious decision to go more global and think more global and, and not just think that like, you'd think of Ireland and England even um, when you're plotting your races because, you know, it's no... Yeah, well, look, at, we, we, like, when you have a sprinter like this, there's, there's only one group one sprint in Ireland and that's the Flying Five in September. So the programme for a horse like him is not great. Now, I know we ran him here in Dundalk in early or January there just to get a pipe opener into him, you know, before, before we went to, to Dubai and... It was great that we were able to bring him down here and give him a, a like it was really like a piece of work to him and it was no bad race either there was only a few horses in it but it wasn't a bad race and you have to you have to travel with a horse like him to, to get money i could stay at home and run for 50 grand you know but uh, like the prize money is just colossal and the guy won more money the other night in dubai than i did for the whole of of my grass season last year in ireland so and I had the best season ever in Ireland last year. So that just goes to show you the amount of money that we've won on the Saturday night. So you have to, like these opportunities, when you have a horse, they're capable of doing that. You have to take them. And the money like that's available, even Australia, we're looking at Australia at the minute, like there's a sprint in Australia next November worth 4 million, Euro, 4 million sterling to the winner. Like it's, it's a, uh, 1.6 or 1.7 million to second and 750,000 sterling to the tour. Wow. Like that's like that's the class of money that's available out in these countries. So when you have a horse that's capable of doing something like this, you have to go for it. Yeah, it sounds like um, that that just makes perfect sense. Uh, that that, that uh, speed that you see, when did you know that the horse was going to be that fast when you were buying the horse or did the horse actually even surprise you when you got it home and started to, to time it? Yeah, look at he, he wins over six and a half furlongs as a two-year-old. You, you'd always say he's going to go further and 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 go to. I think he won his maiden over seven. So, you, and it was a stiff six that day up the curb and soft ground. And you know you'd always say, sure, he's going to go further. It could be a really nice Guinea's horse and you know something like that. And 
as I said, the same thing. There's been so many trainers have horses with so much ability to win race like this, and then all of a sudden they drop them back and trip, and all of a sudden they're sprinters and away they go again. And it's, you know, it is trial and error sometimes, but I did feel he had so much natural speed, we had to drop him back. Uh, and then the the course of the season where you're because you're, um, he was in the states as well I think right and and uh, actually ran his fastest time up to that point in finishing fourth or fifth in that race is that right? Yeah, I think he learned a hell of a lot that day in 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 uh, that was in over in San Anita the Breeders Cup with fabulous time over there but he learned a lot and I I just said if he goes back to the states again this horse he, he'd be an awful lot he was just a little wasn't as sharp jumping out the gates as some of the American horses and but he finished very strong over there the straight like when you race five furlongs around the bend and you start way out the far side the bend is quite it's like it's not much bigger than the Greyhound track here in Dundalk to be honest with you and there's such a short straight it's only a little over a furlong and a half so we knew the track wouldn't suit but it was just an opportunity we couldn't miss and look we got 50,000 you know, for, for being like for going over there and when we won in Paris, it was winning your in. So the entry fees were paid. So we had to pay for the carriage and not over. But look at the, the experience he got over there. And our target will be either that the Australian race or go back to the Breeders' Cup at the end of the year. You know, that's where we really want to be again. Well, that's not a bad uh, fallback position if the Australian race doesn't happen. In terms of the sprinters, they do seem like it's, it's like a completely different life that they have. Because traditionally, I think. In Ireland, we might have been focused on Derby horses, and uh, that would have been always the blue ribbon, and that would have got all the hype. But it turns out the sprinters, the rest of the world, seem to have um, much more interest or much more focus on the sprinters. Is that fair? Yeah, they have. England is big into sprinting, and their sprinters are usually a lot better than ours. Um, you go to Australia, sprinting in Australia is massive, and you know, in Australia, I think last weekend there was three $1.2 million races in Australia just last weekend, an ordinary weekend of racing. The money in Australia is just colossal. The same in America. But America, they sprint around the bend. They don't sprint up the straight. So it's always around, the, you know, it's around the bend. Whereas Australia is different. But it's um, like they're very big. France, they would, it would be okay. But Australia and America are the two big sprint. Hong Kong is another place big sprinting places and, and the money is just massive. And you, it's not like you targeted this horse as a sprinter to get into the sprinting market. It's just that this horse has become a sprinter. Yeah, he's become a sprinter. Did, did anybody know what he was after he won over seven? And, you know, he's he's learned his trade very well. And as I said, he's getting better and better. And, you know, they say sprinting, sprinters do mature when they get older. And this guy's only turning four. So to me, this horse is going to improve again this year. And it's going to take a fair horse to beat him. I was going to ask about that. Like the great thing about this is that you've another couple of years of this really before you start thinking, well, he's tipping over into past his prime. Yeah, but he's a colt as well, so he he, he will have. They will knock him on his breeding. The 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 sire is not a great sire. He hasn't got great a great page breeding wise, but at the end of the day, they can't take his two group ones off him. Well, that's for yeah, sure. It's, and so, as well, go on. You know, sorry, yeah, Johnny. It's quite an unfashionable pedigree. He's with a, a trainer who, as Ada will tell you himself, generally trains handicappers. And this has been a, a strange kind of team um, in recent years in Ireland in terms of the, the the good, the very fast horses we have generally have not been trained by Ada O'Brien or one of these big trainers. It's been more like, you know, Edward Lyon had two really good sprinters in the space of a couple of years together, essentially. Um, Tom Hogan had a very good horse and Gordon Lord Byron. 
so on and so forth. And um, it's a strange quirk that this horse, who started off off the top of my head, running in a Bellystone maiden, then won a maiden at Down Royal um, for John McConnell, who again wouldn't have group one horses really at all, um, ends up with Edo and ends up being essentially Ireland's fastest horse. Yeah, that's true. Like, and um, he, he uh, like, as I said, it, it, we, we didn't buy him to be a sprinter. We bought him to be because he was a good horse. And it's just we, we found the niche when we, we, you know, we found out what, where he was, like, you know, what he was good at. And on, on we go. And we, we've been very lucky. As well. I think it's something, Jared, as well, sorry, briefly, that we we should promote more because, you know, everyone in jumps racing pretty much would say, oh, the champion chase is an amazing race, Tinker Creek's an amazing race, two-mile chase are amazing races, but five furlong sprints when you have exceptionally fast horses, when you see that up close, you realise the power and amazing speed of these animals and what they can do. And hopefully, you know, we only have a group one sprint in the Curra, um in Ireland. It's the first group one sprint that we've had, and that's only been a recent addition, uh, Champions Weekend. And hopefully now we can see Edo's horse run in Ireland and appreciate the quality of these horses running as fast as they literally can, the fastest horses in the country. And so, sorry, last totally stupid question for me, I promise. Because he's a colt, does that mean he's not a gelding and so therefore at some point in the future can't stand at stud? Yeah, he'll head off to stud at some point. Hopefully I can keep him for another couple of years that, and he stays sound and we can, you know, we can, we can, um, as I said, since last August, the horse has won over, he's won 1.2 million, which is a merciful amount of money to win. And like, and there's still an awful lot of good pots there to go and win as well. So we got to ch- we, we're going to chase them as much money as possible with this horse and, and, and group races as well. Like we could have gone to Saudi Arabia this year for another million and a half dollar race, and we, we declined it because we said we go to Dubai and, and chase the group one pot, like you know, a group one status race. This is the, the other quirk of the whole thing, Jerry, is that as much as he is a stallion down the line. And um, because of his, uh, as Edo says, his rather unfashionable page, there's no guarantee he would command a massive fee at stall because it's a crowded market. Most first season stallions basically end up being ordinary or not very good. So I guess Edo, there's no real, there's no pressure at all to stop this lad running. No, there's not. And as I said, the breeders' fashion, uh, breeding is like fashion. And if your horse is not in fashion, it's very hard to sell them. So mm. it, it is going it, to, it's going to take a lot of marketing and, and a lot of, You'd love this horse when he does go to stud to get 20 real good mares every year that's producing black type winners, not just ordinary handicappers to cover. You'd love him to get 20 proper black type mares. And probably breeders won't send them because they'll probably go on the on the more, they'll go for a more solid, a solid or sire that knowing that it's going to get them stakes races as much as he might get, he might get two black type horses to cover probably in this first year where you'd love to be able to get a horse like him 20. Like if you yeah. look at Frankel, one of the best horses in the world, he didn't cover a bad mare. He covered all top class mares. So he's a great chance of breeding top class horses because he's got the top class mares. Now, if the likes of KCU got a book of mares like Frankel would be getting, you, you would be, gar- I, you know, you'd be 90% sure of guaranteeing to get a lot of good, very good race horses. It's funny that, isn't it? That like them that has gets, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. And that's the yeah. way it works, and it's fashion. And if 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 a lot of it is pedigree, really, you know, to be fair. Sorry, a lot of it is pedigree. To be fair, like if you were on 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 if you were a horse going to stud who, as good as he is at the race course, isn't particularly well bred, it will put people off, and you know that's fair. Yeah, of course. And you know, you, you, if he got a very good race horse in his first two years of at stud, well then 
he could go yeah. like the likes of Memas. Memas has gone from a five grand sire up to I think he's sixty or seventy grand now, and and that's all happened in the last three or four or five years because he's producing horses and he was just a workman like uh, I think he was a group two or a group three winner uh, as a it's like Kodiak Kodiak started at five and then he was 50 uh, and Dylan Thomas went the other way despite Dylan Thomas being a part of the racehorse some, some start off very expensive and come down and the others go the opposite way and the, and, uh, the horse that goes the opposite you know that gets dearer all the time He's definitely producing racehorses. The, this is obviously a, an extra part to the business, apart from making sure the horse is fit and, and runs as fast as he possibly can and peaks for the, the group ones. Is this part of the game that, like, when you have a wonder horse like this, that you might be interested in getting involved in as well as the training? Look, we, we, we'd all maybe try and keep, I, I'll hopefully be able to get a couple of covers every year from him. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll probably get a mare or some, you know, a nice mare to cover with him in time. It's not something that I'll, I'll do, but. I, I will want to do, but I will do it because I will have a cover, you know, a cover free and um, which will be a big, you know, it'll be a help. It'll be cheaper on me to breed off, you know, with him. So I will do it. There's no doubt I will do it if he stands, if he stands at Stud in Ireland, he could stand, you wouldn't know where he'll stand like, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's an incredible story. And, and just again, how that one horse, but just the other part about this is obviously um, them that has gets like when when the world looks and watches you train a sprinter as well as you're training this, I presume other owners are like, do you have any other sprinters? Is there any, any, any anybody else you have your eye on there, Edo? You know, it, it is like a, a virtuous circle, right? Yeah, look, as I said, good horses will always, try, you'll try and attract, you know, better horses into your yard. And over the last few years, we, we've got group three and group two winners and, and listed winners. And we've won, we target a lot of big premier handicaps with our horses that are capable of winning them. So that's why we target them, and um, we we'll try and do that. You know, we, we'll try. We're, we're like I was in Dubai. I was down in Doha there a few weeks back as well, and I met a good few people. And there's a few of them coming over to Ireland during the summer. They're going to stay with us. So it's all about getting new contacts. And you know, some of these people are quite wealthy, so you, you have a great chance of buying a good horse when you have some money. It's like a football team. Chelsea, if you just take that into account, that they they've the, they're the best one of the best teams because they're spending and buying the best players. My racing moment is brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Share every racing moment. Visit hri.ie or follow Horse Racing Ireland on social media. So specifically, you talked about either the Breeders' Cup or Australia. In the meantime, what is the plan? We go to Royal Ascot with them. Um, we we'll make an entry in the Flying Fight or in the Kingstown and the Diamond Jubilee and. Uh, then we'll come back and he'll go back to, he'll do the Flying Five at home in Paris and either Breeders' Cup or he'll either go to Breeders' Cup or the Australian race. That's pretty exciting for the rest of the year. And I, I oh. wouldn't mind, but it's not like you have one horse at the moment who's uh, tearing up trees. I think it's six winners last weekend. Yeah, we had, we had a great weekend last weekend uh, all across the board. I think after he won in Saudi, or he won in Dubai the other night, I think 25 minutes later, laugh a minute, one up the current, the opening, the, you know, in the opening, the flat season. And it was brilliant. We just had a great week. Horses are in good form. I'm lucky. Had great staff at home while I was away there. The boys were working hard and they worked really, really hard. And, you know, it's a great team effort from everybody. And I, I'm lucky that I have the horses and I'm blessed that I have good staff. I think the other point... Reliably informed, Edo, that the, the Harold House shut at 11 o'clock on Sunday night. Oh, they did. I think there was a lot of money floating around there the other night. After did a good did a good win on on Mon, on Sunday as well up, up in Nice as well the boys were happy. 
And, um, you know, they definitely did. They were very happy boys now last weekend, which is, yeah, that's what life's all about when, when you get, you know, and, and the boys like to enjoy themselves as well, which is, that's what racing's all about and a bit of enjoyment. And even last week where we were in Dubai, we were looked after so well. Lads all had a great time. And, you know, you're just, it's, until, you're, until you go out there and see the place, it's very hard to describe it, even the atmosphere and the whole place. It's unbelievable. Yeah, well, listen, congratulations, Edo. Couldn't happen to uh, somebody who hasn't worked harder and deserves it more. Thanks a million for joining us. And it's been great watching over the last couple of years. Cheers. Thanks, Edo. Thank you very much. It's uh, Edo McGuinness there giving us um, some insight into how things are going at the moment, and they are going pretty well. Uh, this is Friday Night Racing here on Off The Ball. If you want to get in touch with us, uh, if this is during the even show, you can text us on 53106. You can leave a comment on the YouTube stream either. We stream live every Friday afternoon at 3 o'clock on all our social channels and then the full thing obviously airs on Off The Ball on News Talk. We're going to take a quick break. Friday Night Racing on Off The Ball is brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie. Friday Night Racing on Off The Ball. Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie. Friday Night Racing on Off The Ball. Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie. Right, we have a brilliant prize for horse racing fans that we're going to be giving away at our big return to live events next Monday. Enjoy corporate hospitality at its finest for you and your guests at the 150th running of the Boyle Sports Irish Grand National on Easter Monday. The package includes admission, race cards and lunch in the Jemison Stand restaurant where you can base yourself for the day. To be with a chance to win, just join us at our Boyle Sports Irish Grand National Roadshow on the 4th of April. Check out otbsports.com and our social channels to register for that. Um, I just... So we've been listening to Adam McGuinness there. If you've just joined us, you've missed um, just somebody who is in a sweet spot in his career at the moment. Johnny, just put some context on that, will you? Because, like, I th- I'm not sure, again, like, maybe we didn't make a big enough deal out of, like, the, the quantum leap forward that he's made in his career in the last couple of years after, as he put it himself, 20 years of hard work. Yeah, and um, I think, you know, his, his assistant, um, Stephen, as well, they've put a lot of hard yards into, um, not the hard yards on the gallops themselves, but the hard yards of sourcing horses from other stables that they think they can improve. Now, normally, the budget for that would be such that they'd end up buying handicappers to target premier handicaps, and we've seen Edo and Galway winning the Galway Mile and the Seven Furlong Race and all that with horses who um, are able to turn up every year and contest these um, relatively lucrative races. Um, but to find a horse like a case of you um, is just, it's, it's kind of the look of the draw to some extent. He'd won a group three as a two-year-old for John McConnell. Um, now, he, he, he must have been by far the most he, he's ever um, spent on a horse. And obviously, he doesn't own it himself. But Gary Devlin um, presumably has saved plenty of money, as many of us would have if we, didn't, if we lived a teetotal lifestyle. I don't know what Gary does, but he's obviously a very astute man. So he, he buys this horse. Um, you know, he's probably rated in the region of 105 or whatever into his um, two-year-old campaign, which Mark him out has been very, very promising. But at no um, point would you think he's going to end up winning a group one in Maidan worth whatever it is, 600 grand. Um, so there's a bit of luck involved. He's not particularly well-bred. He's not well-bred, actually. He's cheaply bred. Hot three, got a keel up mare. Um, but he's just turned into a very, very good horse. And uh, partly that's down to Edo's training. Partly that's down to the fact that they've become extremely adept, him and Stephen, at sourcing good horses. You mentioned the the Leopardstown cards um, 
this weekend. But it's again, we're just getting into that part of the season where people are not quite finished with the national hunt because obviously there's a massive uh, end of season still to come, and where we think on the verge of some mouth-watering clashes uh, at the end of the season in Ireland over the jumps. But this is the bit of the year where people start looking towards the summertime and the the flat season. I know you've been doing a bit of work for us on, on this recently, um, the pre-season launch of the Curra. What is it this weekend in particular that you thought was uh, good about the cards? Well, just briefly on that, it was, it was really odd because the, the, the three people we got, and I really enjoyed the interview with uh, Colin Keane, um, Siobhan Rutledge and Ronald Whelan, Javon Rutledge basically works with John McConnell, uh, who trained the case of you, and Ronan Whelan ended up riding a case of you uh, basically for his group one wins, his group wins rather. Um, so that, that actually featured in the programme, even though we had no idea what was going to happen at Veda. Anyway, this weekend, uh, the, the Leprechaun card is, is the, the Bally Sacks and the Guineas Trials. Now, the Bally Sacks, when I got into racing, was a really, really solid Derby trial, which led on to the Darrenstown, which is the next step towards winning the Derby. The first time I went to the Valley Sacks was in 2004, when Yates won the race by about 10 lengths, and he looked like he was going to run away with the Derby. And for the life of me, I can't remember what happened. But he didn't run in the Derby. He must have been injured that year. And now he's siren winners at Cheltenham and so on and so forth. But it hasn't really, um, I suppose, maintained its place in terms of being a proper, proper derby trial. But it's a fascinating race tomorrow. I mean, you have Fizz Badil, uh, for Dunnick O'Brien, he reckons he's his best horse, I think. He's by Ulysses, Swan Bay, and, and, and Buckaroo, two very good horses for Joseph O'Brien. Ryan Moore is over to ride. Bluegrass was only rated 98 for Aidan O'Brien, and for me, would have a bit to prove. And as I say, maybe it's not like the derby trial that it was, but it's it's a really intriguing race. Bolshoi Ballet won it last year, to point out. He actually went off hot favourite in the derby. And then you have the... The, uh, the trials as well for the guineas um, and it's just a really really nice card I don't know what the weather is like there but the, the ground is good and uh, everyone should like race to get along to Leprechaun I think the weather's um, just as good here as it is in Antibes Johnny and I'm not going to tell you what the weather's like it's none of your business well I, I got into the just to, to give an indication of the you know the French mentality or the South France mentality uh, we got into the water there for a swim. We were literally the only people in the beach, maybe 200 people in the water. Um, and after about one, you know, one minute in the water, you're like, if they think this is cold, I mean, seriously, go to Sea Point in this time of year, and like you would be out of the water. So th- there's a real Irish hardiness developing since lockdown, Joe. With these these sea swimmers and. The water here was positively bammy, even though there wasn't a single French person in it. There you go. Even if you do say so yourself. The last few <laughs> weeks of the tote tend to follow, leading to the finale at the Entry Grand National, are looking like a victory lap for you, it says here, and your 100-point lead. Uh, Why Dan- do I win? Gimme, gimme, gimme. Danny Mullen's position in second place looks equally unassailable. He's got a 160-point lead over me, who it turns out is going to be Paddy Last. I just, got, I just got a bit of bad advice early on, and I, yeah. uh, I didn't follow through on some of the changes I should have made. Tote have begun rolling out the Tote guarantee at Irish race courses, meaning Tote customers are guaranteed SP or better on all win bets at the races. Tote guarantee will be available to race courses at Leopardstown, Cork and Ferry House for the first time this weekend. To find out more, just ask a member of Tote staff. That's it for this week's edition of Friday Night Racing. Johnny, good stuff. Thank you very much. Have a good weekend, Joe. We'll see you next week at Friday afternoon at three o'clock. We're uh, broadcast live across all of OTB social channels. And then, obviously, we uh, broadcast that evening on Off The Ball on News Talk. Until then, take care. Friday Night Racing on Off The Ball. Brought to you by Horse Racing Ireland. Love every racing moment. Visit hri.ie.